You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. I've been uh, preaching out of Romans 12, a favorite passage of, of many of us as, as believers, just so many wonderful things. And we're ready for verse 9 today. As we look at verse 9, we're going to start off with the uh, English Standard Version, the ESV. Then we'll move to the NIV, and you'll know where we'll go after that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Listen to the word of the Lord. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. <clears throat> Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Lord, we just ask that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Open our minds to receive the full power of your word, both written and spoken, and we receive it with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I think of uh, all the different things that we're going to look at today. Uh, the ESV, I, I love the do not be slothful in zeal. Uh, my, my granddaughter, her parents call her a sloth. So when we were at the Saint, or when, when we were in the San Diego Zoo and we, we were looking for the sloth and he wasn't to be found, I think they'd taken him to the safari park. <clears throat> but we took a picture of the placard and sent it to our, our sweet little granddaughter. She moves kind of slowly, but she's very, very detailed and accurate. And uh, she's quite amazing. And so I, I just got tick, tickled out of slothful and zeal. We're going to look at that today. In the NIV, Romans 12:9 begins this way, Love must be sincere, <clears throat> hate what is evil, Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. <clears throat> you know, when you hear these, these words of Paul as he's <clears throat> writing so wonderfully and he's communicating to the church from Rome as he's writing to the church at large it's just amazing of how we hear what he writes as, as a believer at, at different levels in my walk with Jesus you would hear these things and sometimes you'd hear them and you weren't hearing them from a position of knowing that you're his child you're secure in your identity as his son and daughter you're still striving to be accepted by the Father. You're hoping that somehow you're going to read your Bible enough, you're going to pray enough, you're going to attend church services enough, and you're going to care for people enough that you're going to win his favor. And so when, when we're coming from that perspective and we're reading this, it's like, oh man, look at all this stuff I got to do. <sighs> hospitality? Anybody here struggle with hospitality? You're just not a real social person. You just soon 
and be a hermit out in the desert, living on a pole, fellowshipping with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we got some hermits here. <clears throat> so sometimes we read these things and, and, and they don't line up with us and we're just saying, oh Lord, how am I ever going to do that? I can't do that, that's outside. Oh, and yet Paul writes it and it's kind of a, an imperative you know, it's, it's not optional. It's not up for debate. It's not up for me to say, well, that's really not my temperament. Uh, that's not in my spiritual gifts. Uh, that's just not the way God wired me. And, we, and, and when it come down, boom, 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 boom. I find that there's, there's even a greater contrast between the believer who wants to be acceptable to the Lord and so is ordering their life in a way that they will sin as less frequently as possible so that they can be accepted versus those who don't know that they're really a son and daughter, even more so than that. They have what we often refer to as kind of an orphan mentality that they, they don't feel like they really belong. Uh, they would really like to, but they don't feel like they really measure up yet. And so they're trying all that they can do. Uh, and, and then when they hear imperatives like this, they see a list of things that they're supposed to do. It's like, oh, cut me to the core. But I want to remind you that verse 9 in Romans 12 comes after 12 chapters that he's written before. I won't go back and cover all 11 we get to 12, but I will start with verse 1 as we get to 12, and just remind you of before we get to this list, what has Paul encouraged and exhorted us to do? Beloved friends, what should be our response to God's marvelous mercies? You know, this is the Passion Translation, because I'm so passionate about the Passion. I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. <clears throat> Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Wow. I could read that every day. I could preach that every day. That's so much fun. And so we find that in light of all that God has done for us, in light of all his mercies, the first thing we do is just surrender ourselves as sacrifices to him. Mm. So it's surrender. It's absolute surrender. As we surrender ourselves, it's not because he has put a full Nelson stranglehold on us and he's putting and applying more and more pressure to an arm bar, waiting for us to say, uncle, or I guess in today's world, tap out, to tap out. That's not the surrender that he's pursuing. He's pursuing the surrender that comes out of revelation of how wonderful and merciful he is. That when we see him as he truly is 
and not as we've misconceived him to be some kind of taskmaster, some kind of unpleasable father, some kind of God that we always never do enough. We always fall short. But when we see him as he truly is, merciful, almighty, loving, kind, ah, faithful, faithful, faithful. Even in our lack of faithfulness, he is always faithful. And when we get a revelation of how wonderful and amazing he is, when we get a revelation of the goodness of God, it causes us to surrender. I will surrender to that. Mm. I love, I love as, he, as he goes on, he says, and, and then <clears throat> we experience all that delights his heart. I want to encourage you today. There's more to experience in God than what you've ever, ever tasted up until now. On your best moment with the divine, you've barely scratched the surface of what he intends to reveal and to do for you, for you to experience all that delights his heart. What delights his heart, I guarantee will delight your heart. It's like, oh, what delights God's heart? And some of us go back to our our legalistic days and just say, Oh, what delights God's heart is if I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this and I don't. And we, we go on to the, all the things that we can't do and we don't understand what delights his heart is just when his children receive his love. Mm. With my kids and my grandkids, there is nothing <clears throat> that pleases me more than when they allow Papa to love on them, when they receive my love. Now, as you know, my youngest, little Zoe, she didn't have a whole lot to do with me in her early days. She preferred Nana. Oh, so she'd go right to Nana. But now, now Zoe knows the love of a grandfather. And she comes seeking me out with opened arms, running with those little bitty legs, running as fast as she can, and I swoop her up. And there we get a picture of how the Father wants us to experience all that delights his heart. There is great delightment when we're receiving his love. He pops buttons when we receive his love. He does backflips. It's really interesting because part of what I read this morning was talking about how content he is when we're content. And I was like, he finds contentment in our contentment. And I'm just thinking, hold on, let's scratch the head. I, I don't quite understand that. But you know, all through the New Testament, it's talking about make my joy complete. And it's like his joy gets complete when we are filled with joy. When we are rejoicing in his goodness and delighting in who he is, it causes him to be filled with joy. Wow, I like that. That is so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
So we see from here, if we went on through uh, verses 3 through 8, we see that because of our surrender and because of experiencing all that delights his heart, because we're now in, we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're changing our thinking, none of us have arrived yet in, in pure the mind of Christ yet, but that's something that is set before us. You know, we have the mind of Christ, Paul says, and it's like, amen. Let's keep appropriating more and more of the mind of Christ. When you have a stinking thought, and we know that stinking thinking leads to drinking, and you're having a thought that isn't a good thought, it's time to change that thought for another thought. As I've said, you can't afford to have a thought in your mind that God doesn't have in his. Especially when it comes to you. Because we have an adversary who will remind us of all the mistakes we've made, all the wrong choices we've made, will remind us of all the traumas and, and things that he's tried to, to construct into our heart to restrict our ability to live and to love. And he's constantly calls, calls, calling those forth. And when he does, you just need to say, no, I don't think that's in the mind of my father or the mind of my Lord and Savior. And I don't want to think a thought about me that they don't have in their minds. And dismiss it. Take it captive. Make it obedient unto Christ. <clears throat> so we, we see that it goes from, from there to a right image about ourselves. And we saw then something about the spiritual gifts and using it in proportion to our faith. We, we focus on prophecy, but whether it's giving, whether it's leadership, whether it's administration, whether it's teaching, whatever in the little gift set that they have there that's just a, just a, a it's not exhaustive, it's just an example, we see that we're supposed to increase in our faith and develop it and continue to see it go to the next level. And so from the giftings, we get all the way down to the passion of how we should be relating one to another. And so it's, now he talks about it. Now he talks about it after we've presented ourselves in surrender, after we've received the transforming effect of his glory, his goodness, his love. And as it changes us on the inside, we stop conforming to the world and we start aligning ourselves with his will and we discern what his will because of the Holy Spirit that's been placed in us. And as that continues to develop, we, we function in the gifts and graces that he's given to us. We're attached and connected one with another. And so now he says, verse 9, we got there. Only 20 till, so you're good. Just in case you didn't know you're good, you're good. Here's what the Passion Translation says. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. The inner movement of your heart. At the very core where Christ's love has, has come into your life, that should be the very core of your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ <clears throat> and outside of Christ. That should be the core of your heart toward human beings. Never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. No hypocrisy in the kingdom. 
Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted tenderly, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Number one, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Love is always at the foundation of everything. John tells us that God is love. He also tells us that we love him because he first loved us. He told us that when he loves us, his love is so complete and whole, it casts out all our fear. There's something about being totally saturated in his love that just causes fear to be dismissed. It loses its teeth. It finds no place where like, it can attach itself to us. Mm. Never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. When we're loving and when we're found in his love, guess what? We're authentic. We don't become something that we're not. We don't put on airs to try to be more holier than what we are, to appear more spiritual or to appear greater. We found perfect contentment of just resting in his love and listening to him say, oh, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. You know what? I'm well pleased with you. He said it to his one and only begotten son. And he loved saying it to all his children. Jesus paved the way. Third, <clears throat> despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Despise, despise. Finally, something we can really sink our teeth in. I despise evil. Oh. Unfortunately, most of the time, we, we despise inferiority. We despise imperfection. We, we, we despise things that just, but they're not evil. We despise evil. That's all. We don't despise people. We, we, we don't despise someone who can't measure up to our standard. We don't look down on that which is inferior. We don't do that. That's not what he's saying here. We don't despise like that. We embrace everything that is good and virtuous. <clears throat> I find that in this list he has a lot of things that he'll show us the, the negative side and then he'll show us the, the positive. He'll show us a contrast. Despise evil, okay? Ah, but embrace that which is good and virtuous. Embrace that which is morally good. Embrace that which is aesthetically good. It's okay to really, really embrace beautiful stuff. 
it's okay. If music does something to you and you see the beauty of a, of a piece of music, embrace it. It came from the Father's heart. When you see a painting that just strikes you, I got one in my office. You didn't know I was a paint collector, did you? I've got one oil painting to my name. <clears throat> it was one of those oil painting parties of the 1980s we went to. And I don't know who the artist is, but it's of the lighthouse. Oh, I love lighthouses. They speak of the hope of the gospel. They speak of God beaming his light out to shine so that we know where we're supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. In the case of a lighthouse where we're not supposed to go, don't go up to the rocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we see the good in others, we're to call it out. In the circles we've been talking and, and, and kind of fellowshipping in, we call it that when we see the gold in another person, we want to call the gold forth. We can see the dirt, but we don't need to call the dirt forth. We need to call that which is good. We need to call the gold out of a person. We need to encourage them. Why? Because they may not see it yet. It still may be underneath the dirt and unearthed in their life and in their awareness of how wonderful God created them. And that's the beauty of the prophetic word of God that we give to one another. It's like we're mining for gold and we're calling forth the gold out of another person. Mm. So embrace the good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. I love this. Ministerial Association of Greenfield met this week, and, and the guys are there, and I, I'm with them, and so many different streams in the body of Christ are there, and it's just so wonderful to see that we're all part of one family. We have a lot of different expressions and different ways in which we put our emphasis but we're all one family. <clears throat> and so we're called to tenderly love. And I've, I've always sensed, ever since my first meeting with the Greenfield Ministerial Association like 14 years ago, that this is a group of guys that love the Lord. And because of our love for the Lord, we can love each other. We stand, we pray for one another, we pray for the churches in our area. It's, it's so beautiful because we're members of just one family. One family. It, it, it could be a real interesting situation when we get to heaven and we're going around there. <clears throat> and for those that think that they're the only ones that made it, we'll have to be real quiet when we walk across their room. But maybe by then they'll get a revelation that we're all his children. Mm. <clears throat> Then he says, try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. I love this. Finally, competition in the family. We got competition. But it's not competition for attention. It's not a competition to get our needs met. It's a competition to serve and honor others. It's different in the kingdom. <laughs> we watched uh, Little Woman, Little Women last night. You know you love your wife. (laughs) 
And, and as we're sitting there, my heart gets moved by the story of the movie and all this kind of stuff. But there, there's, you know, this jealousy and this rivalry and yet this, this profound love that's going and all the way through the movie. It, it, it's, a, it's a really good movie. I, I would recommend it. Uh, <clears throat> but that's not what this is. This is a competition about honor and serving one another. Danny Silk wrote the book, Culture of Honor. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It helps us to understand in the kingdom, we've got a whole different paradigm of how things are supposed to work in the kingdom. And really, God is an honoring God. And we are like our Father when we love like he loves and when we honor and serve others as he would. It's so good. So good. So it's not that kind of competition. It's a, it's a one to outdo ourselves in respect and honor. Mm. Six, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Wow. That is an incredible, incredible sentence expression. Uh, man, I get excited when I read that. There's excitement. There's enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a word that has two parts. Youth means in. Theosiasm or theos in the Greek is God. Enthusiasm is the kind of emotional dynamic and response that happens when we realize God is in it. And he's in it with us. And we can get excited. We can get excited in serving him. That's why when we have uh, the third Sunday of the month and we, we have our food outreach and this whole sanctuary is filled with people who are coming to go over to the fellowship hall and to get groceries, food, items. We're over here and I get so excited. It is so exciting. Linda is praying with everyone that she can find and just loving them with the love of the Father the love of Jesus and the love of the Holy Spirit. Just going down, listening to what's going on. Sometimes it's almost thematic when we go. We've had miracles take place. We've had healings take place. We've had encouragement. I've had counseling sessions with people that have come in. And it's just amazing what happens. I get all excited because I know God's in this. And when God's in it, it's amazing what happens. Now, <clears throat> oftentimes when you're doing social work and stuff like this, there's so many legalistic restrictions that just kind of handcuff your ability to love people. But we just throw those out the window and we just love with the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is such a precious thing, such a wonderful thing. And we get to serve with enthusiasm, with excitement, because we know what's happening. And over the months now, over the years now, we've known people and they know us. And it's not unusual at all for somebody to come in our doors that has never attended our church and give us a testimony of what God's been doing in their life since we prayed for them, since God touched them in a profound way. So wonderful, so wonderful. So let's radiate. Let's glow. Put your glow on. Mm -hmm. Number seven, let this hope burst forth within you releasing continual joy. 
It's a living hope. First Peter 1.3 talks about he's called us to a living hope that comes because Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead on the third day. And this new birth that we have in him is so amazing. It's so wonderful <laughs> that it fills us with continual joy. It's time to get happy. It's time to get in touch with the joy of the Lord because he is our strength. Don't give up in time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. <clears throat> in a time of trouble. When I was reading this, the Holy Spirit just highlighted a time. It's not your perpetual eternal condition. It's not the state of affairs that will always be this way. Paul says in, in Corinthians, for your slight momentary affliction... You know, what we're going through is a time of difficulty. It's not permanent. I love that. Holy Spirit long ago taught me this right as I was battling the flu and throwing up and throwing up and throwing up and throwing up all night. And I knew it was just a time because Debbie had it. Some of the kids had it. And I knew that it was like a 24-hour clock. And this, this too shall pass. I knew it was going to pass. And so I, I, intentionally, I intentionally sought to encounter the Lord in between heaves. It was, it was the most glorious thing I've ever experienced. I would heave and I would say, oh, Jesus, I love you. I'd heave. Oh, Jesus, you are worthy of all praise. Oh, Jesus. And it was just amazing, and it just kept going on. And I knew it had to just be frustrating the evil one. He had to just be, gosh, you're supposed to, because before that, I would plead and bargain with the Lord. Like, Lord, if you would free me of this, I will serve you the rest of my life. You know, it's a foxhole kind of prayer. You know, Lord, if this nausea would just leave, I'll do whatever you want. Africa, India, wherever you want me to go. I'll go you know, and, and we kind of bargain like that. But all of a sudden, I just realized, ah, oh, this is going to pass. It's not eternal. Oh, Jesus, you're worthy of being praised. You're so good. Your love is everlasting. <laughs> your, your love is so wonderful. Try it next time you're puking. <laughs> I, think you'll, I think you'll find it's a whole lot better than promising a bunch of stuff that you then renege on, you know, in 12 hours. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a time of trouble, and let's commune with God at all times. He really delights in fellowshipping with us, even in the bathroom, when we're heaving and hoving. Oh, gosh, don't get me started. Oh, I already did start, didn't I? Number nine. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. It can only happen when you've surrendered and you're a living sacrifice. When you have, have chosen to live in such a way that you want to experience everything that delights his heart. When, when you've allowed yourself to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, and the Holy Spirit is transforming the way you think. Wow. When we do that, guess what? We'll see. We'll see others before we see ourselves. We'll see the needs of others around us. 
we'll see that God is a generous God and he loves to meet the needs of his people. And when we participate with his heart for his people, guess what? We get blessed. And that's why, you know, there's such a part of the body of Christ that is so sympathetic toward Israel because they, they, they see Israel as God's chosen people. And I believe they are, but we're his chosen people as well. We have been grafted in but how we posture ourselves with those things that the Lord loves. He loves the Arabs just as much as he does Israel. We need to love all mankind. But when we love what he loves, which is people, guess what? Ah, his generosity flows toward us. <clears throat> I love that, helping them. You know, Lisa Schwer is one among us that... Uh, she, when she sees a need, we almost have to put a, a restraint on her. Uh, you know, she's, she, we need to muzzle her because when she sees something, she goes after it. And she, she's been doing the sandwiches for the homeless now for I don't know how many years. We've done it here at the church. She's doing it at your shop now. And, and all that goes on with that. When you have his heart, you'll want to help when you see a need. When you see a need and you want to turn and look the other way, guess what? You may be a priest, but you're not a good Samaritan. You know, the, the Samaritan, the, the good, is the one that stops when they see the human need. The early church said that there was not a need among them. There was no one in need because they took all that they had and they sold it and they distributed it so that everyone had provision. Some people say that's communism. I think it's kingdom. I think it's the glory of heaven. We're going to experience that. We, we know that communism, as it was manifested in the natural here on earth, was really how the wealthy got wealthy, wealthy, and, and everybody got poor for the sake of a few rich. Last, and everybody said, hallelujah, the top ten list is here. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Yeah. You know, some of you really have a gift, a gift of hospitality, and, and this is no problem for you. For others, we need to break this down a little bit more. It really is kind of your attitude toward others. As you love others and as you open your heart and as you see need and you act on that, it's only going to be natural that you start welcoming people into a sphere of influence that you can call home. <clears throat> One of the things we can do that is invite them to come to the home that we know as a, as a church, as a fellowship, our, our, our home gatherings. When we invite the folks to come to your home. This is home. Sure. Invite them to your home kingdom, the kingdom, our heavenly home. And let's invite people into the kingdom, which is our home. Uh-oh, now I'm starting to sound like an evangelist because that's what evangelists do. They invite people to come into their home, into their home with Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. I pray that all these exhortations, Holy Spirit, that you will distribute them to each and every one and that we'd have ears to hear what you're saying to us personally today and corporately to the glory and praise of Jesus. 
We've got Lauren who's going to be baptized today. Come on up, Lauren. Part of our service here at the end. Got some stuff for Lauren that I just want us all to bless her. Isn't she precious? She's absolutely adorable, and we love her so much. I've had so much fun getting to know this young lady. And uh, today, she's shy. You probably didn't notice that. I'm going to absorb her right here and protect her from all you scary people. (laughs) But she loves Jesus, and it's just been a joy. And I just want us to bless her. I've come across a, a, a book talking about blessing the spirit of another. And I want us to just kind of enter in and bless the spirit of Lauren. Can you do that with me? Okay. Lauren, I call your spirit to attention. Listen with your spirit to the word of God for you. Those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, or in your case, a daughter of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Lauren, the spirit of your father gives witness that you are his daughter and you are led by his spirit and I bless you. Lauren, with the spirit of daughtership and the mindset of daughtership, I bless you. I bless you with embracing problems with the confidence that God is in them to give you grace to solve them and to overcome. I bless you with the deep heart identity as God's very own child, securely loved in his family, calling him Abba, dear father. I bless you with the spirit of daughtership that does not make you a slave to fear because you know your Abba is with you, your father. I bless you with the settled assurance that he has a future and a hope for you and that he has written your days in his book with love for your best interest and his ultimate glory. I bless you with being filled with the deep knowledge that your Abba Father knows what you need and has all the resources of the universe to meet that need. And so, Father, I bless Lauren in the holy name of Jesus. I thank you for her life, and I thank you for her love for you and her being planted here in this fellowship has honored us and caused us to just once again pour out our hearts in thanksgiving to you. We receive her as a gift from your heart to ours. We thank you for her life. Now we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon her and that you would be with her throughout the sacrament of baptism and that you would lay upon our hearts how to pray, how to stand, how to support, how to bless what you're doing in Lauren's life. And so we say thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.